and uh, leads them into victory, into peace and joy. Uh, uh, and so they've been prophesying about the Lord Jesus to come for centuries, right? Many, many centuries, millennia, in fact, uh, thousands of years. Uh, and so uh, here Isaiah is prophesying, and this is uh, Isaiah chapter 9. It says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, uh, and so he, so uh, it's to me it's it's just amazing that you know uh, you know if I'm thinking about I, I need to come into the earth and reconquer the earth and and take it back from the enemy, you know I'd come in like with guns guns are blazing right tanks and and mortar rounds and you know fireworks and parades and and Jesus snuck in as a child right uh, and so unassuming you know it's just that's just uh, only God could come up with such a such an amazing plan to do it that way, Amen. Uh, and of course, there's so many reasons why He did it that way. But uh, uh, you know, one of the big reasons why He said, "For unto us a child is born," and we'll talk some more about this uh, each of the Sundays between now and Christmas. But uh, one of the big desires for Jesus was to come into the earth and be just like us. Uh, and actually, He was just like Adam. You know, to be uh, perfectly technical about it. But he wanted to show us that, look, you know, people, oftentimes people say, well, Adam was, was doomed to fail. There's no way he could have succeeded. Uh, and so Jesus said, well, that's not true. Let me show you that it can be done. And so he laid, all aside, he laid aside all of his deity, came to the earth as the, as the last Adam, the Bible says. Uh, so in every, in every way, he was just like Adam, right? No sin nature, uh, alive unto God, and, uh, and succeeded uh, in all of his days uh, without sin, without failure. Uh, and so, um, uh, and he did that by starting out as a child, starting at the very bottom, right? Uh, completely helpless, completely uh, dependent upon somebody else to care for him for years, right? Uh, until, he was, uh, until he was grown as an adult and could uh, make his own path. And so, uh, that's the way the Lord does things because he's wanting the best opportunity for you. He wants to, he wants to show you that, you know, I did it, you can do it. We all can do it. Uh, it's it's okay, amen. Uh, and so, uh, and so, and it, I like the way it says the prophecy there that unto us a unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. So he gave his son to us, right? Uh, and so that's a big deal, amen. Uh, if somebody wanted my son for you know whatever reason, right? Hey, give me your son, and I'll give you this thing. It, well, it's no, you know, the answer is just no, right? Uh, and so. But the Lord cares enough about us to do that, amen? And, of course, Jesus then was promoted into these roles of being the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, this is the old covenant, right? And so, again, it always amazes me how there are any Jews left in the world, right? How they're not all Christians when they see these prophecies. Uh, and Jesus was this, right? That he was given to us as a child into the earth. Uh, and so, we're, of course, we're not mad at, at any Jewish people at all. Uh, we hope that they see the light. They still serve Jehovah God, uh, the same God that we serve. You know, they just don't have the light that they need. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we pray for them to see that. Uh, and so, uh, well, praise God. Why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Father, having thought that we were of no value and something to be cast aside, that nobody would want you appeared in the earth and said on the contrary I've come for your soul 
I've come to exchange my life to show you how valuable your soul is to me. And Father, you said in your word that the cost was infinite. You, Father, you think that we are of immense value beyond measure of a price that you're being willing to pay for us, Father. Father, I feel the worth that you have for me. Father, I know that, that you consider all of us of great value. Not little value, Father. Not something to be discarded or overlooked. Father, something to be sought out and fought for and die for, Father. Each and every one of us, Father. Every human being on the earth, Father. You hold that much desire for them. You consider them that valuable. Father, we are worth the price that you paid. You, you decided that we are worth. We didn't earn it, Father. But you decided that we were worth dying for. That we were worth spending thousands of years, Father countless lives to, to protect humanity, Father. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that you consider us of great value. And, Father, we choose to live up to that, to that value that you place on us, Father. We will not cower down, Father, and act like we are a, a worthless people you said, Father, that we are worth an infinite amount, greater than anything found on this earth, Father. You had to introduce something from outside this earth because you, you looked in the whole earth and nothing was worth our souls. Everything in creation, Father, is small compared to the value of what you put upon our soul. And so you went outside of, of your creation, Father, went into the spirit realm, sent your very son you said father I have found something worthy enough to pay for the souls of humanity it's not in the gold and the trees and the, the ground or the skies or the wind or the rain the only thing of worth enough to pay for the souls of humanity is my own son father we thank you thank you Thank you, Father, that you consider us that valuable. More valuable, Father, than all the gold and diamonds in the earth. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, you know, it's to your advantage to meditate on that and to remind yourself how much the Lord places, how much value the Lord places upon your life. Amen? Uh, sometimes people act like, well, the Lord is disinterested or uncaring. It sure doesn't look like that from what he did. Amen? From his actions. Amen? His actions uh, tell us otherwise, that he thinks that you're of infinite value. Uh, and so, other people would tell you that you're of no value, but the Lord says that you're of infinite value. Uh, and, you know, uh, if I've got two different opinions, I'm going to go with the opinion that, number one, is from a more reputable source, 
and two, that's just more right. Amen. And the Lord says, I'm of great value. I've had, I've had people tell me I'm of no value. And then in my heart, rises up and go, yeah, but the Lord said you're of great value. Uh, yeah, but you're of no value. Yeah, but yeah, this, this, uh, the great God of the earth has said I'm of great value. Yeah, but you're of no value. Yeah, but he said I'm of great value. And so when I compare what he said to what you're saying, you know, uh, you need to go home and, and get a better game because, you know, it's embarrassing because you're, you're so, you're so uh, behind the times. Amen. The Lord has declared you're of great value. The Lord has declared that you're of infinite value. Amen. Uh, and that's not pride or arrogance. I'm not the one who said that. He said that. Did I earn it? Did I say, you know, I'm so good. I've been so good. I can't hardly stand myself. I'm better than all of you all. No, it's usually a race to the bottom when it comes to that, right? But, but, but the Lord, he has decided that you're of great value. So don't ever, don't ever let another human being tell you that you're not. Because a lot of times people will tell you that and you'll believe that. Oh, they must be right. There's nobody would love anybody like you. Uh, the, the creator of the entire universe loves me that much. And so who are you? Uh, did I get your name? I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. The king of all the universe has declared that I am of great value. Uh, nobody could love anybody like you, you know. And I know sometimes parents say stupid things like that. Like, you're going to grow, no one's going to love someone like you. <laughs> the Lord's already loved you more than anybody else in the whole world. Amen. Uh, and so, and that settles my heart. Uh, because when, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, I grew up with a lot of low self-esteem. And then I started getting revelation about how much the Lord cared about me. And somewhere along the way, it just took. And then uh, over the years, people would say things like that to me. And, and it'd be like, uh, uh, apparently you haven't got the memo. Uh, uh, it says right here, I'm of great value, right here. The Lord wrote this on my heart, I'm of great value. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and the only ones who's ever told me that are people in the church, right? And so the heathens have never told me that, right? Uh, and so it's, un, it's, and it's like, well, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, well, you need to go to a better church. I'm like, well, you're going to the same church I'm going to, you know? So I don't know what I, <laughs> they're hearing the same things I'm hearing, but apparently they're not listening very well, amen? Uh, and uh, remember we talked about on Wednesday night that, well, Paul, Paul's job is to, is to speak and to do, but our job is to, is to receive and to learn. Amen? And so even if the pastor's doing his job, that doesn't mean everybody else is doing their job. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of First Peter. We'll continue there today. Uh, we've been talking about the wonderful uh, topic of the judgment of the Lord, and uh, uh, isn't it a super exciting uh, topic? But uh, uh, I believe the Lord wants us to talk about this because... There's a lot of misunderstanding in the body of Christ. Uh, and the general principle, the general idea in the body of Christ is if you sin, God's waiting around the corner to get you. He's got two by fours in heaven. And, uh, uh, and he's, as soon as you sin, he, he lays down all the rakes with, the, with the, time, the, the forks standing up, right? So you can step on them and knock yourself in the head with a rake candle. Anybody ever done that? Stepped on a rake and, and it hit you. In a, you never done that? Yeah. Yeah. Just one, yeah, you should only have to do it once, right? If you do it twice, I'd have to be concerned about you, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but that's what people think is God's setting up traps for you, right? As soon as you sin, oh, I'm going to get him. You watch this, right? Around the next corner, uh, they don't even see it coming. You know, watch this, you know. That's not how the Lord operates, amen? Uh, and so, uh, we've, but we need to find the balance because we either get way over here that, oh, it doesn't matter, just have to live however you want to. And over here, you're going to die and go to hell, you know, if you slip up one time. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, as most of the time, the, the the balance is in the middle of those two extremes. Amen? Uh, and so, you guys remember, even in the Old Covenant, uh, people would think, well, God was the God of the law in the Old Covenant. 
Well, he was, and yet uh, did he not uh, uh, give himself the opportunity for mercy every time he wanted to? Didn't David commit adultery? Wasn't the law for adultery stoning for both parties? Bathsheba and David were legally, uh, uh, legally they could have been stoned, and nobody would have said anything about it. Well, you committed adultery. You should be stoned. Amen? Uh, and so, and yet God chose to have mercy on them. Uh, and so, you know, the Lord always pulls out mercy. You know, mercy, the, the only purpose of mercy is if there's a guilty party. Innocent people don't need mercy. They can just say, hey, I'm, I'm not guilty. I know I want, I want the law. Merciful people, uh, people who need mercy, like, yeah, I'm guilty of sin. Um, uh, the only way out is mercy. Mercy is where the judge will recognize the, the fault, recognize that it is a fault, and yet choose to overlook the, the punishment of the guilt. Uh, so, and mercy is a good thing, amen? Uh, are his mercies new every morning? They are. But the, the whole premise of mercy, though, you have to understand uh, the basic premise of mercy is mercy is entirely a sovereign act of God. It is not something that you can believe God for. I mean, we do thank him for his mercy. We claim it. And I understand that. But you can't say, Lord, you know, uh, I demand mercy. Well, you can't demand mercy of him if it's, in, if it's in his choice only to do that. Amen. You can ask him for it, but it's still it's up to him, right? Just like going up and saying, hey, uh, can you help me out on Saturday? Well, I mean, if they're, if they're merciful, right, if they're kind, they would help you on a Saturday unless maybe they can't, you know, that's fine. Uh, but if they work for you uh, and you say, hey, I need you to go and move this desk, well, you know, it's not really a request. It's really, a, you know, because there's a, there's a covenant agreement there, right, that you work for me so that I'm paying you so that means you have to do what I tell you with the, within the constraints of the job that you're doing, amen? Uh, and so uh, mercy, you can request mercy, uh, and the Lord is gracious to grant mercy many times, but, you know, the, the thing about mercy is it could come to an end. Well, when is that day? I can't tell you, right? Um, and so uh, what we need to find out is, uh, first of all, let's not have a goal to live in mercy. Amen? Let's have a goal to live in the grace of God. And so uh, here, this is a kind of our foundation scripture uh, here. Uh, and uh, it's in First Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 17. It says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Uh, and so we want to find out what does that mean for the church, right? We started last week talking about what happens when a Christian sins. What happens when you, when you do something against the will and plan of God, right? In, in uh, Romans chapter 14, it says that whatever is, whatever is not of faith is sin. Well, that kind of lowers the bar way down low, right? We want to only if you commit like bank robbery, that's a sin, right? Well, then how many, anybody in here committed a bank robbery yet? Nobody, nobody here? So we think, okay, good, I've not committed a sin. Well, that's, the bar's not that high. The bar's really low. If you just, if you just do whatever you do and not of, not of faith, the Bible says that's sin, right? You're missing the plan, right? They're missing the mark of God. Uh, and uh, is that to beat you up? That's not to beat you up. That's, just, that's the rule, right? The Lord said, if, uh, the just shall what? Live by faith. That means every day, right? She live by faith. Uh, and of course, everybody's thinking, man, I've got a long way to go then, right? Well, that's why he's merciful. Uh, uh, he, you know, uh, the thing about the Lord is uh, it, he does look at you and, and measure you according to where you are spiritually, but really kind of where you're supposed to be spiritually, not just necessarily where you are, but where you're supposed to be, because he talks about in, first, in Hebrews chapter 6 about uh, us moving on from these basic tenets of the Lord. He said, we'll move on. This we will do if the Lord permit. So there's a, a progression in the, in the church, uh, and a lot of things that people do as, as baby Christians, 
you know, they're not going to, they're not sin in the sense that uh, it's an infraction against the plan and will of God. It would be a trespass. But, you know, just like a baby, uh, I'm, you know, the first time my kids wrote on the walls at the house with a crayon. Anybody's kids ever did that on the walls, you know? Uh, well, you're not supposed to write on the walls with crayons, amen? Yeah, but they're like two or three years old, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I've never actually told them to not write on the walls with a crayon, amen? I mean, as an adult, it should be obvious, you know, but, you know, they're two years old, and so, you know, I went up to them and said, hey, this is paper, and you can color all day long you want on paper. This is the wall. You don't color on the walls with crayons. And they're like, oh, okay. And they never wrote on the walls again after that. And so, yeah, it was, an, it was a trespass in a sense that what they did is, was technically wrong, but was it a sin? Well, it wasn't a sin. Then uh, they're 18 years old, and they're going there, and they're just writing on the walls, you know. Well, then we got a problem, amen? Uh, and and uh, there are 18-year-olds who just write on walls. It's like, well, would you skip kindergarten? I mean, did nobody love you in first grade? I mean, what's, you just feel sorry for them, right? Uh, and so, so the Lord does expect you to grow in, in your spiritual walk, amen? We shouldn't be uh, in so much fear and dread of the Lord that we're just, we just, we're, we're paralyzed to, to do nothing, right? A lot of Christians, they're so afraid to ever make a mistake, they literally do nothing. Uh, and uh, you remember uh, many years ago, there was a, a prayer from the Old Covenant called the Prayer of Jabez, and it was on everything. It was on mugs, and you get mugs with it, T-shirts and, and blankets, and the prayer basically says, Lord, uh, let me do no evil. And it, and it was just, I just thought it was, you know, just like one of these things just kind of came out of nowhere, right? All of a sudden it's everywhere. Uh, and I was just meditating on the Lord, why is this, why is this one verse? There's 32,000 verses in, in the Bible. Uh, why this one verse all of a sudden become super popular? And the Lord, and the Lord he said, go read it. Uh, and it says, yeah, Lord, keep me from doing any evil. And then he said, now go find out what else Jabez did after this prayer. That's the last time you heard of him. You know one way to never do anything wrong? Never do anything. Does the Lord really want you to sit in your house afraid to do anything because you're afraid to make a mistake? You know, uh, the reason why David wa- was, uh, uh, was granted mercy because the Bible always called him a man after God's own heart. Uh, and uh, sincere, good Christians sometimes will make a mistake. Is the Lord going to beat you upside the head uh, because you made a mistake? I, you know, I just, I don't see that in the Word of God. Amen. Now, do we have a goal for that? Do we have a goal? I'm going to live however I want to and, and just do whatever I want to and never obey God. Well, if that's your goal, I'd have to question whether you ever really committed to the Lord to begin with. Uh, I, I don't think most Christians live that way. Now, some Christians are kind of carnal, you know, natural. They just never try to pursue, never try to grow. And they may remain in a baby state, baby Christian state all their life. And, and what do they lose out on that? They lose out on the blessings of the Lord. And, and so what we want to find out is what happens when you sin, right? What, what's the state of your of your spiritual life with the Lord when you sin, when you commit a sin, and how do, how do we get back to the place where we're supposed to be uh, and, and, and not, be, not be driven by fear, but, be, but driven by the love of God. You know, Lord, I love you. I want to repent and get back right with you. That should be our motivation. Instead of, Lord, I've sinned. Now I'm afraid you're going to murder me, so I better get back right with you because, you know, the next there might be a giant pothole uh, opens up and eats me as I drive down the highway. A lot of people think that way, right? They think if I sin, God's going to get me around the next corner. And yet there's no scripture for that, no Bible for that, no, no principles for that in the word of God. And so, but the Bible has, uh, uh, you know, there's such a, this is such a big topic. You could, I mean, you could teach on this in so many different ways for months on end, amen? And I don't believe the Lord wants to spend that much time on it. Uh, you could go through all the physical examples of people in the New Covenant because you should build your doctrine primarily in the New Testament, right? We can look at the Old Testament to see and get some precedence. 
but we should build our doctrine primarily on the New Testament. Uh, and so, uh, so let's turn over uh, to uh, the book of Romans. We had finished up last week. Actually, uh, let's see, uh, we did go through the book of Romans already. Um, let's go to 2 Timothy. And so, uh, you know, when you sin, uh, first of all, uh, every sin without exception is a choice. Nobody ever made you do it, right? Nobody made you mad. Nobody made you say that. Uh, you chose to do that. And if we, can get, if we get settled on the basic premises of, of humanity, right, that you have a free will. You, you, your will is a sovereign will. Nobody can make you do anything. Now, they can coerce you in that, but, but even if they put a gun to your head and you said words, you weren't doing it out of, out of a willingness to say those words, right? So the Lord would never judge you, right? Remember all the martyrs that were killed uh, back, you know, in the, you know uh, uh, well, I mean, through Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can go back and look at centuries ago where they would just murder Christians, you know, and usually it was the church murdering them, right? If you were going against uh, primarily the Catholic Church doctrine, that would just boil you in hot uh, oil, right? It skin you alive. I mean, terrible things. You should read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a terrible book to read. Uh, but you can find out, you know, all these things. Uh, uh, the Lord, read that book. I got about halfway through it, and, and he said, now, who did most of these murdering? And I really hadn't thought about it. It's like, well, uh, that was a church. Yeah, that was a church. Yeah, that church murdered that guy. That church murdered that guy, right? I mean, William Tyndale was one of the great uh, Bible scholars uh, of, uh, of our time, right, to really uh, around the time when the Bible was fixing to get actually translated uh, officially into English. For centuries, it wasn't written in English. Uh, the best you could get was in Latin, you know, but mostly in Greek and Hebrew. And it was against the law to, write, to, to translate it into English. And William Tyndale wanted to translate it into English. And he was a great scholar of the Word of God. Uh, and uh, he had to hide in Germany and different places uh, away from the church. Because if they caught you, uh, they would kill you. And finally, somebody said, hey, come on, you know, come on down to the church. You know, it's okay. You know, we're not mad at you anymore. Uh, and he gets there, which is kidding, you know, burned him alive, right? So they burned him alive, right, at stake. Uh, and, and, uh, and yet the, uh, much of the, the King James translation was based upon his translation because after a while they're like, you know, maybe it's okay. Of course, King James was against the Catholic Church, uh, and so that's part of the reason why he did it, to stick his thumb in the eyeball of the Catholic Church. Uh, there's a lot of church history, you know, crazy things like that went on. Uh, but, um, uh, but the church murdered him. He was just a Bible scholar. They murdered him, right? I mean, they burned him at the stake. Uh, and you, you see that going all through, well, the people think God's that way. You make a mistake, he's going to burn you at the, at the stake, right? Boil you in hot, uh, boiling oil, right? Uh, and so that's not true. Uh, and so we want to find out what, uh, what's the ramifications of sin, right, for the church. Because we talked about old covenant, we talked about the future. But right now, today, what happens when you commit an infraction against the plan and will of God? So in, in 2 Timothy, it says here... Uh, of course, we could, we could read so much here, but let's start in verse 22. It says, Flee youthful lusts uh, and follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, I always ask the question of why did he tell Timothy to flee youthful lusts? Uh, you know, in other words, strong desires that are outside the will of God. It's not always a sexual thing. It could be, you know, I just love you know, donuts more than anything else. And that's all I eat all day long is donuts, donuts, donuts. Well, that's a, that's a, a youthful lust, right? Uh, it can be due to sexual desires, but it's also, you know, a lot of times youthful lusts are, look at me, right? I remember when Jared was playing peewee football, uh, you know, he's just tall, and his two coaches, right, they were there. They'd been out of school for like 100 years or something, and they, but they would get together and, oh, you remember that game on that Friday night? You know, they're still reliving like it was yesterday, right? 
Now, their bellies tell you that they weren't uh, playing football like that anymore, right? Uh, but, um, but they are still reliving the glory days. Uh, and sometimes we all try to live the, relive the glory days, but sometimes that's youthful lust, right? Oh, I can do it. And you can do it, right? I mean, you know, those days have gone by, amen? Uh, and so if, you know, if you're in training for that, maybe you could do it, right? Uh, and so sometimes we think, I can still do it. Well, are you still running, uh, you know, five miles a day? Well, then you probably can't do that uh, today, amen? Uh, and so, but he said flee. So why did he tell Timothy to flee? Because Timothy, like all humanity, uh, has a tendency to follow after youthful lusts. And so Paul told him, don't do this. Well, he wouldn't have to tell him to do, not to do it if he, if he wasn't either doing it or wasn't capable of doing it. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, and what you'll find in Scripture a lot of times, he says, you know, don't lie, don't steal. Why is he telling the church not to lie and not steal? Because people in the church were lying and stealing. I know, I mean, it's like, you know, when you, when you uh, first time you hear that, it's like, well, that's kind of Captain Obvious, but have you ever thought about it like that before? Why did he say these? Because, so why is he telling, all through the New Testament, he's telling the church, don't do these sins. Why? Because the church is doing these things. And yet, did he tell all these people you're dying or going to hell because you've done these things? No. And so, uh, it doesn't make any sense that, that, that that's, the, that's the go-to, right? If you commit these sins, you're going to go to hell. Just like, you know, Brother Hagin used to say a lot of times, kind of in, in kidding, he'd say, you know, because the book of Revelation says, all liars have their place uh, in, in the lake of fire. Well, is that a true, is that a true, does the verse say that? It does say that, right? Uh, and so people say, if you lie, you're going, you're going to lake of fire. You know, it's like, that seems pretty harsh, right? I mean, why that sin, right? I mean, what's the, what's the list of sins we know just from the Word of God? There's a long list of sins from the Word of God. But why that one sin sends you straight to hell, don't pass go, don't collect $200, straight to hell for you, right? But first of all, this is liars. I'm not a liar. I'm a child of God. I may have lied, but I'm not a liar, just like I'm not a sinner. I may have sinned, but I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God, amen? So I'm not a, even if I've lied as a child of God, I am not a liar. That's not, that's, that's not what defines me, amen? I, I even know Christians who, who lie a lot, but they're not liars, you know? I mean, in that moment, they're a they, you could call them a liar in, in that sense, but they're not liars, right? That's not, that's not what defines them, amen? Liars uh, are of the children of the devil. Uh, and so, you know, we've got to be careful of just taking verses out of context and say, all liars have a place in hell. So, I mean, it doesn't say all people who've ever lied ever are going to hell. Uh, I mean, you could probably go through and look at the, uh, I haven't really thought about it in that context, but I'm sure you could go through uh, the, the 12 apostles and find out maybe one time where they told a lie or something. I don't know, you know. Uh, uh, now, don't hold me to that because I haven't really researched that. What's that? Peter did. Peter did? Oh, yeah, yeah. I never knew him, right? Didn't Peter do that three times? And yet, didn't the Lord said that I prayed for you, right? Good calling him, Chris. The Lord said, I prayed for you uh, that, uh, 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 that you restore yourself, amen? And when you're fully restored, then you'll strengthen the brethren. Uh, and so... Did the Lord, did, did he go straight to hell? No, he didn't go to hell for that. Amen. Is it okay to lie? It's 100% not okay to lie, right? Is there ever a time when it's okay to lie? Never a single time is it okay to lie. Never. There's no white lies. There's only black lies from the pit of hell, right? All lies come from the father of the devil, the, the father of lies, which is the devil. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so he said here, uh, flee youthful lust, but follow, uh, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. 
in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Uh, and uh, I've always uh, thought this verse was interesting. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So Timothy is a pastor, and he's telling the pastor to instruct those that oppose himself. So he's telling the pastor to instruct the sheep, right, those that are opposing themselves. And so anytime you commit a sin, what the Lord thinks of you is you're opposing yourself. You're also opposing God, but you're also opposing yourself. Well, how are you opposing yourself when you sin? Because if, if you're a child of God, your spirit, man, right now is alive unto God. If you died to go straight to heaven and be in glory with, with the Lord. Amen. It's made in image like to God, sealed by the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's who you are as a child of God. Uh, and that spirit man always wants to do right. It's made like God. It looks like God. It sounds like God. It has the mark of God on it. In the realm of the spirit, if you could see your spirit man, it would say owned by God. Somewhere, you know, snapped on your forehead, on your foot, somewhere, you know, it said made by God and owned by God. Uh, and so uh, it only knows how to do right. It, it never fails and never makes a mistake. It only does right. Now, your body will make a lot of mistakes and your mind will make a lot of mistakes, but your spirit man, never. Uh, and if you're born again, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus, amen. So when you sin, you are opposing yourself. Your mind, your will has decided to go against what your spirit man wants you to do. Uh, and and uh, when we get done with this, when we get done with this teaching, I, I think we're going to go into uh, spirits on the body, primarily talk about your soul, but we got to talk a little bit about spirits on the body so we'll have a foundation understanding of, of the makeup of mankind. Uh, and so you just got to ha hang on for six or seven years till we get to there, right? Uh, and so, uh, but your spirit man always wants to do right, always. Never wants to do wrong, always wants to do right. And your mind will go, I'm doing it anyway. You ever done that? You ever done something you know is wrong, but you, you still do it anyway? Well, that's, that's you opposing yourself. Well, I knew it was wrong. Well, what part of you knew it was wrong? Your spirit man. What part of you wanted to do it anyway? Your mind, right? Your will and your emotions and your body. But your spirit man always like, I want to follow God. I want to worship God more than anything. And, and so what, what we should strive for is, as intelligent Christians is, well, then I want to yield to my spirit man. You know, you've got a choice in front of you and your spirit man says, do the right thing. And your flesh goes, shoot them all, right? Uh, but your spirit man goes, no, walk in love. You know, burn them, you know, uh, get rid of every, every one of them. And, and your will is right in the middle. And your will goes, mm, they really are messed up. You know, I really am mad at them, right? But, you know, on the other hand, you know, uh, that pastor fellow, he says I should do right. And my spirit man wants to do that. But, you know, and, and so what do you do? Well, that's really what you want to do, right? I mean, uh, uh, if you could ever pause long enough to, to see that conflict, then you'd always yield to your spirit man. Well, I'm just going to do what he wants to do because that always seems like the right thing, right? Your spirit man will never lead you into error, never. If you yield to your spirit man, it will always lead you into righteousness, peace, and joy. It will never lead you astray. Uh, and so if you could train yourself to do that, but see, you know, our emotions are strong and, you know, we got to, you know, I'm going to back it, I'm going to show them, I'm going to teach them, you know, whatever. Uh, and so sometimes we basically tell our spirit man, shut up, you know, I'm going to go do what I want to do. But it's not really you, it's your, it's your, it's your will, right? Because Paul says here that, that when you sin, you oppose yourself. So you're not opposing me, you're opposing yourself. It's, it, there's a conflict in you. And that's why a lot of Christians get under, they're, they're just kind of mad all the time. You know, why are they mad all the time? Why do they have pressure all the time? You ever seen Christians under pressure all the time? They're under pressure all the time because uh, they're in that conflict. That conflict is alive in them. Their spirit man is saying, straighten up. And their flesh is saying, I don't want to straighten up. And, and, and that, 
uh, the more they allow that conflict to remain and don't make a choice, the higher that pressure becomes until they just, they just snap or do something crazy or do something they ought not do instead of going, you know, shut up. I'm going to do what my spirit man wants to do. And if you'll train yourself to do that a few times after a while, the emotions and, and the thoughts of doing wrong kind of settle down and you, you get used to and comfortable with just doing whatever your spirit wants to do. Uh, now, is there value in doing what your spirit wants to do? All the blessings of God are found on the path of obedience. Amen? Right. If you will walk in obedience of God, there's endless, endless joy, endless peace, endless uh, prosperity, endless health. Uh, it, all the wonderful things of heaven belong to you uh, as your inheritance if you'll stay on the path with God. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why, what intelligent person would go, uh, this, so this path is all good and puppies and daisies, and this path is death and destruction and sickness and disease, and he'd go, hmm, why would you spend a second even, hmm, uh, why, why is that even a choice? But we still go, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm, that's what I'm going to do right there. Why would you do that? An intelligent human being would never do that, right? But sometimes we, we, let it, we, we set our intelligence aside and we follow only our flesh, right? Now, and so that's the, that's, the, that, that's the difficulty of the humanity that we live in because we've not been trained well enough, amen? We should be trained as Christians to follow our spirit man. Follow your spirit man, man, it's all good. Yeah, but they, they need it. No, they don't need to know. Well, I need to show them. No, you don't have to show them. Well, I got to tell them. No, you don't have to say anything. Well, they're going to think I'm, you know, they're going to think I'm weak. Who cares? Does God love you? Yeah. Well, what else you got to know? Is God on your side? Yeah. Then, then who cares, right? Who cares if they think that you're a loser? Who cares if they think they got one over on you? Who cares if they really did get one over on you? You know, people, uh, look, people walk in that door right there all the time uh, from, the, from the community looking for help. Financial help primarily, other help. And you know, a lot of times they'll say, don't help them. But you know, sometimes they'll say, hey, you helped them. And I remember one time uh, uh, they came in uh, and, and, and they, they, uh, they, uh, I was just standing right over there they said, I, I need some help. I've got stage four lung cancer, and I need some gas money. And that's amazing. You got stage four lung cancer, and you walked from all the way here, no oxygen. You walked all the way here. You know, I mean, people are stage four, and they're in bed, right, with oxygen tanks and, and all kinds of stuff. You're amazing human beings. You can do this, right? But really, it's like, lie, you lie, right? You lie. Uh, and so, and, and you know what the Lord said? You give her the money. Well, Lord, you know they're lying. Yeah, I know that. Well, I know they're lying, and you know they're lying, so why am I in it? Well, because I'm a merciful God. Okay, I don't care. Here, here's, here's 20 bucks, right? Go get some gas. They're probably going to get smokes or a six-pack. Who knows what they're going to really do with that money? It could have been gas. Uh, but, you know, and they're thinking they got one over on me. It's like, you didn't get one over on me. You lying, you lying when you walked in. You lying when you walked out, you know? And, but I'm not mad at you. If you come back, if the Lord says, give you more money, I'd give you more money, you know? Uh, but still, I'm still going to ask you, do you, know, do you know the Lord? Amen. So what, who cares? Now, they, they walked out thinking they got, a, got one over on me. I don't care. I mean, because who's going to stand before the Lord about that anyway in the future? Not me. The Lord said, did you give them that money? I did, Lord. And then when they said, did you take that money? Yeah. Did you lie about getting that money? Yeah. Well, then, you know, when we've got a problem. Amen. He's not going to have a problem with me because I gave them money. Uh, and so uh, did they get one over on me? No. What if they actually got one over on me uh, and, and I didn't know that they were lying? The Lord's still, he's still on my side. Because if my best intention is to help, and maybe I was wrong in helping them, the Lord can still get me out of that jam. He's not on their side, amen? But he's, he can get me out of the hole, amen? He can't get them out of the hole because they, they decide to walk in sin. Uh, and so uh, every time you sin, you are opposing yourself. 
there's a conflict in your heart. Uh, your spirit man has already told you what to do that's right. And your, your flesh and your mind has convinced you to do something that's wrong. Uh, and so, so the Lord told Timothy as the pastor to instruct them in meekness, right? See, not in beating you up. If you sin, you're dying, going to hell. That does not sound like meekness to me, right? Meekness is God loves you. And on his path is blessings and increase. On the other path of sin is death and destruction. Now, did the Lord make that? Uh, is the Lord putting that death and destruction on that path? No. He's created a path of joy and peace. He didn't create the path of sin and destruction. That's the path that the devil created. Uh, and so, uh, why did the Lord get rid of that? He is going to get rid of it, but between now and then, uh, he's instructed us how to avoid that path uh, by faith, right? He, he, he wants us to walk by faith. Uh, and so, it will come to an end at some point in time. But uh, th- there's no reason why we have to walk. Well, you can't just not walk that path. Anytime you want to, you can not walk that path. It's complete. Nobody makes you do it. Well you, uh, well, you don't know where I've come. I don't care. You don't know what I've lived through. It doesn't matter. You don't know my experiences. So what? Boring. Uh, the Word of God says I can live free from all, all sin. And if it says I can do that, then, then I, I refuse to ever say with my mouth, sometimes you just can't help it. I never say things like that. Sometimes they just make you mad. I never say anything like that. Uh, if I ever get mad, and I have, you know, I'm not perfect, obviously. Uh, just ask my wife of, of 33 plus years, right? 33 plus one years uh, that uh, I'm not perfect. Uh, and, and so I have repented many times. In fact, I've repented to my, all of my kids. You can ask any of, them, any of them how many times I've repented to them. Probably not many times, but I have repented to all of them. Uh, I know some parents don't believe you should ever repent to your kids. Well, if you've done something wrong, shouldn't you repent to them? Seems like an obvious thing to me, but, you know, I'm not everybody. So, uh, so uh, there, there is an opposition that will occur in everybody's life. Uh, and, and if you choose to follow the opposition, then you are opposing yourself. I mean, you're obviously opposing God, but you also are opposing you. And so that tells you, in you right now, you have the complete, perfect ability to walk in, in uh, uh, the exact right path with the Lord every single day without failure. Never fail. Uh, it, it is not biblical doctrine that says, well, you know, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you just can't help it. That's not, that's not biblical doctrine. You know, statistically, that's kind of true, but not, it's not a good, it's not, it's still not good doctrine because we say that, then we're kind of saying, well, then it's okay to sin a little bit, you know, just a little bit. It's just never okay to sin. Uh, and so, so uh, let's turn over then to, to uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1 here. So we're going to get into a little bit of, of what's, what happens What's the status of the Christian when they actually do commit a sin? Uh, and, and what do you have to do to get out of that, right? Uh, and so, uh, like I said, uh, there, there is doctrine in the church today that, you know, it doesn't matter if you sin. It matters a lot if you sin. Amen? Uh, and so, and, and we need to find that out, not to put you in fear, but because you need to understand that, there, that choices are important in your life. Amen? Make good choices and all is well. Amen? Uh, and so, and, and besides that, it's not God that's putting the, 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 uh, the, the bad ramifications upon your life. We'll find out what, what the deal is with that here as we go through the scriptures. So let's find out what the word says. So here in 1 John 1, 9, we know this verse. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know this is a, this is a well-known verse, right? And there is a small amount of controversy in the body of Christ today where people have said this does not belong to the church, so therefore we don't have to confess our sins. And it's like just, it's gobbledygook doctrine, right? Because we read other, I mean, we just read there 
Second uh, Timothy about those that oppose themselves uh, and repentance. So uh, should Christians repent on occasion? Uh, they should repent any time they commit a sin. Amen? Uh, it, it, it's, uh, there's no, uh, I don't know where they get this doctrine that there's no repentance required for Christians. I mean, we just read Second uh, Timothy. Last week we read Second Corinthians, and, uh, two different verses in Second Corinthians. We read one verse in, in Romans chapter 2. Uh, there's a bunch of scriptures that talk about the Christians should be re- repenting if they commit a sin. Uh, and we said sin is basically anything that's outside the will and plan of God, both from his word and by his spirit. Uh, and so, uh, and most of it's obvious, right? Because uh, when you get born again, uh, what, as far as the spirit of God uh, goes, where did the spirit of God go when you got born again? He came to live inside of you, Right. The Spirit of God lives in you right now. The same Holy Spirit that created the universe lives in you right now. Is there ever a scenario when you would not know what, to actually, what you should do, whether it's right or wrong? No, because all you have to do is say, Lord, what should I do here? Because, you know, sometimes there are actually gray areas, right? You don't really know what's the best choice, right? What's the best thing to do? And the Lord said, well, do this. Well, then you're, you're okay. Amen. Even if it failed or, you know, somebody got mad, if the Lord told you to do that, well, that's not, that's not on you. Amen. But, you, of course, you've got to be honest that the Lord really did tell you to do that, right? Uh, if you say the Lord said to do it when he didn't tell you to do it, <clears throat> that right there is a big problem, amen? Uh, and so First uh, John, the, uh, this is the, written by the Apostle John, right? He said, if we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful. So what does that mean? That means he'll always do it, right? Well, I, I just don't feel like I'm forgiven. Well, did you confess your sins? Yeah. Then what's the word say? He is faithful. It means he'll always forgive you. Amen. Is there a scenario where he won't forgive you? Not according to that right there. It means faithful. He'll always do it. Well, I've sinned so many times. Is there a limit? Does it say if we confess our sins up to uh, 37 times on Tuesday? And then that's it? Cut you off? No, there's no cutoff, right? Well, 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 then we should sit as much as we want to. Well, then you're going to live with the ramifications too, right? Again, we're, we're going to get into that as we go along. But, um, uh, and and here, here's the thing about people of faith. People of faith will do this every time. Sometimes we get weak in faith and go, Lord, I, I just feel like I've sinned too many times to recover. And the Lord said, uh, I didn't tell you that. There's no Bible doctrine for that. Well, what if it's a thousand times? I didn't, I, I didn't put a limit on that, right? I mean, he didn't even tell Peter, if, if your brother sins against you 70 times seven, forgive him. Well, surely the Lord will forgive you more than what he told Peter to forgive you. I mean, is he not more capable than Peter? Uh, and so... Uh, now, is that our goal? I'm going to get the, the Star Center Award, you know. I'm going to get more sins than anybody else. Is that our goal? That is, should, if that's your goal, again, are you saved? Let's get you saved, right? And your goal will change. Uh, and so, but, it, uh, you know, sometimes, especially things get carried right on from before you're a Christian to after you're a Christian. A lot of times anger or, or thoughts or actions uh, get carried on. You know, uh, habits sometimes get formed and they're difficult to break. Uh, and uh, nothing's impossible to break, but sometimes we allow our flesh to rise up and, uh, and we just can't quit eating when we're not supposed to eat or we can't quit watching things we're not supposed to be watching or can't we quit saying things we ought not be saying things. Uh, and, and it's because we haven't trained ourselves, amen? When I say you, you can't, I don't mean like in the absolute sense, I just mean you're struggling to find how to overcome that. Uh, and uh, what you should do is, if you do it a thousand times, confess a thousand times. And the Lord will be faithful to give you, forgive you a thousand times. Amen. Now, he says, and uh, he, will, he is faithful. It means he'll always do it. Amen. Uh, if he says, no, I've had enough, well, then that's not being faithful, right? 
because uh, he said he would do it. And just, just means that he has the legal right to do that, right? It means he is the, he is the judge of all mankind, uh, and he has a legal right to forgive you. Uh, and so he is faithful and just to forgive you, uh, of, to forgive us of our sins. Amen? Yeah, will he do that? He will every time. Amen? What I encourage you to do is if you do it a thousand times, confess a thousand times uh, and, and fight it every day. Amen? And it will, it will stick eventually. Uh, and so, uh, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So now we have a little bit of insight. When you sin, what happens? Well, you've committed an act of unrighteousness. Now, are you unrighteous when you sin? You're not unrighteous when you sin, but the thing that you've done is unrighteous. Amen? Because our righteousness is in the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, he is our righteousness uh, uh, in Christ Jesus. Amen? Uh, and so he became righteous for us. Uh, and so our righteousness is in him. Our righteousness is not in your actions. Your righteousness is not a measure of how good you are from day to day. Your righteousness is, is a measure of did you accept Jesus or not? Simple as that. It's not, it's not, it doesn't go up and go down. It's always your righteousness with God, your right standing with God, right? That's what righteousness means. Your standing with God is always 100%. You are, you are always his child. You're never not his child even when you commit a sin. Go, well, today you're not my child because you sinned. Uh, is that true? I mean, uh, did, you, did you stop being his child uh, when you sinned, when you committed that particular infraction? No. In fact, we'll look at something uh, here that gives some insight. But what you did was an act of unrighteousness, and that needs to be cleansed out of your life because it's a, it's a blot on your life. And w- what's that going to result in? Well, you know, we'll, we'll, again, we'll, we'll find out some other things that will happen in that uh, just real quick, it's not really uh, part of it, but uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll get a, a little bit of insight right here. So when you commit a sin, does the Lord, is he, is he going to start putting uh, curses on you and hexing you and, and causing you to be sick and all these things? You see, a lot of times people think that if you commit a sin, God is going to judge you, because we're talking about judgment, right? God is going to judge you and put cancer on you and, and blood disease and... Uh, you know, make you trip and fall and hurt yourself uh, because uh, he's going to get you, right? He's going to show you that you're wrong. And yet here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So anger in and of itself is not sin. It's it's, uh, uh, what you do in response to your anger. That could be sin. Amen? You get mad and you punch a hole in the wall. Well, now you've sinned, right? Uh, He said, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So now uh, uh, we start to understand some things. When you sin, you're giving place to the devil. And that word place there means license. That you are, uh, the devil has no legal right to operate in your life in any capacity. Sickness or disease, uh, bad thoughts, whatever, in any capacity, uh, poverty or lack, in any, in any way, unless you give him a written uh, uh, license to operate in your life. And we do that with our words, right? We do that with our actions. When we sin, we give license to the devil. We're not giving license to God to put, to put bad things on us. We're giving license to the devil to do these things. But even in, in that, it's still, it's really hard for the devil to do it because he has no legal right to, to do it other than what he can get out of your words. Amen? And if your words are kind of mushy, then he has a very weak legal right to, to sneak in and do something. He'll try to do it. Sometimes he'll just try to do it if you've not done anything wrong, right? Sometimes he'll put, try to put sickness and disease on you and see what you're going to do about it. 
Uh, and you just confess and believe and, and, and command in the name of Jesus for it to go the way, and he has to go away. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we give a, a legal right, to, we give place to the devil. And, and so if we say things like, well, I'm always the first one to get sick. And the devil's like, oh, did you say that? Thanks, I'll, I'll be there Tuesday, right? Uh, uh, what time would you like me to come? Uh, see, we, people do that all the time. They go, oh, it doesn't matter what you say. What would Paul say right there? Don't give place, don't give license to the devil by your actions and by your words. Don't do it. And, and, and Christians go, I'm going to do it anyway. And they do it, right? They go and say something stupid. They go do something stupid. And then something bad happens. You go, yeah, the, the, the Lord got me. What do you mean the Lord? It says right there that, that you're, you, you, not God, God didn't do it, right? God didn't put it on you. You gave license to the devil. Now, can you revoke the license? 100%. You're the issuer of the license. You can revoke the license anytime you want to. I take that back. I, Lord, I repent. Lord, I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and now we're good. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you a story in relation to that. Uh, we were, uh, I tell this in healing school a lot, but uh, we were traveling down to Florida one time on vacation with, with some other friends, uh, and uh, we, we arrived in Florida, and so when we got there, we went out to eat. And so uh, I don't know whatever we ate, but, uh, but uh, uh, all of us ate, but whatever me and, and um, uh, my oldest daughter, Anne-Marie, ate, uh, it didn't agree with us. And so, you know, I said, hey, we're going to go back to the hotel. Uh, and so we left the, the party there, and, and she and I went back to the hotel. She didn't make it. She's not nearly as much of a man as I am. You know, she, she couldn't make it to the hotel, and so it's all over the floor, right? It's, you know, whatever she ate, it came back up, right? Now it's in, a, it's in the car. So I'm already sick. Now I can clean up all this mess, right? And, and, uh, and, and so... But I didn't overcome it. I mean, all night long, you know, I'm, I'm sticking my face where you ought not stick your face in the bathroom, right? Uh, and everything I ate came back up in the wrong direction. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's hard, right? I mean, when you get food poisoning, it can be really hard in it, right? Uh, and so, because your body's like rejecting it. And it's like, okay, you've already rejected it. So I think there's some more there. And so it keeps trying to heave it up all night long. Uh, and so, uh, so I, did, I did suffer my way through that. Uh, and... Uh, and I'm puny for like the next three days, you know. I mean, I'm already look pretty pale as it is, but then when you see a pale person like me look pale, I mean, it's, it's like, wow, you know, you can put some makeup on or something, right? Uh, and so, uh, but we, we made it through and we came back, you know, from vacation and stuff. And then about two weeks later, uh, we were back at home and we went out to eat after church one day and, and um, we got done eating. And, and usually... You know, we'd go back to the church. Sometimes we'd go back to the church because we, we were on the praise worship team, had, had to go back early. Um, and so we ended up going back to church early that evening <clears throat> before, uh, before church started. And that same rumbling started happening again. That just a couple weeks before, it started happening again. I thought, oh, here we go, right? Now, see, a lot of times people, <clears throat> as soon as that happens, uh, they shoot themselves in the foot. Oh, here it comes again. I guess, you know, I'm going to get sick again. Like, No. I don't live that way, right? Uh, I just, uh, I, started, I started doing what I do, right? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be sick. Uh, and, um, but also, since I didn't overcome it last time, and I wasn't really having much success overcoming it here, you know, it, it hadn't happened yet, but it's headed in that direction. You know, when you're heading that direction, you know, pretty soon, if something doesn't change, everything I ate is going to come back up. And so... <clears throat> I have learned over the years, you know who knows more than anybody? The Lord does. And you know, I, I, I talk to the Lord a lot, Lord. And so I said, Lord, 
what's up? I said, you're my healer. I know you're my healer. You have healed me so many times by faith. Just me and you, by faith, you've healed me so many times. I said, I am not having success in this, and I want to know why. Don't ever ask the question if you don't want the answer. I said, I said you know, just two weeks ago, uh, it, it happened down on vacation, and I wasn't successful in that. <clears throat> why wasn't I successful? I said, I'm glad you asked. He said, the reason why you weren't successful in Florida is because uh, you were hoping to get healed supernaturally so you can have a little bit of bragging rights to your friends and walk around and go, I was healed. Supernaturally, by my faith. I am so amazing, I can't hardly stand myself. Now, you don't really write it down that way. You don't really say it that way. I mean, you don't make that plan, right? But sometimes in the back of your heart there, without you rejecting it, you're kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to brag about it, but if they notice it, it's okay. If you give me just a little glory, you know, it'd be okay. He, and he said, and he showed me, he said, your heart was, he said, your heart was this far off. Now, that's better than being this far off, right? But from the Lord, this far off, it might as well be infinity, right? But he said, that's what he said, your heart was this far off. Because it wasn't like I had a big plan, okay, I'm going to intentionally get sick, and then I'm going to supernaturally get healed, and then I'm going to brag about how spiritual I am, and cause, so everybody can re- really, uh, you know, tell me how wonderful a person that I am, and how man, what a great man of faith that I am, right? Because that's what we ought to be told. You're such a great man of faith. Yeah, that's right. Say it again. Go ahead, say it again. Uh, uh, now, we don't, no, no human, no normal person writes that down, right? No, they don't really make a plan out like that. But every now and then that thought of, you know, if they notice how spiritual I am, that'd be okay. And, and the Lord said, your heart's that far off. Well, you know, what are you going to do? No, Lord, that wasn't me. No, Lord, that was somebody else, right? That was my oldest daughter. It was her fault. Don't, you know, if the Lord ever tells me stuff like that, I, my answer is, yes, Lord. Because he, he's not going to lie. And, he, and he's trying to beat me up. I already feel bad, so he can't make me feel any worse. I already, you know, just about sick already here. And so he said, you, he said the reason why you weren't healed, see, the Lord won't share his glory. A lot of times we try to operate in faith and we try to act all, all big and high and mighty, uh, but our motives are impure. We want to receive a little glory for our faith, for our display of great faith and our great knowledge of the Word of God. And we want to compete with the Most High God in heaven, who is the only one worthy of glory. And yet, you know, we know that we're not worthy of glory, but we wouldn't mind a little bit. You know, just a little, you know, because we want people to know how spiritual we are. Don't we all? I mean, come on, you all act like, I can't believe you did that. None of you all ever done anything like that. You all are so perfect. I'm amazed, right? Uh, you all are so full of faith and so powerful. I'm going to brag on every one of you all and give you all the glory, right? No, we've all done it. Amen? Yeah. And so, uh, what are you going to do? Well, Lord, yeah, you're right. You're right, Lord. So then, but then what do you do after that? See, a lot of people will, will not be in faith after that. They'll go, well, I guess I just got what's coming. I guess I just got what's coming. You know, that's just, I'm getting what I deserve. No, that is not what faith people do. That's not what people who are, who are ch- children of the Most High God do. Children of the Most High God do is, yes, sir, you're right. I sinned. It was me. Nobody made me do it. I did it 100% out of my own free will. And Lord, according to 1 John 1, 9, I ask you to forgive me. I confess my sin. I did it. You're right. I, that was me. Nobody else. I did it, Lord. And I'm asking you, Father, to forgive me. See, that's what a person of faith does. A person of low faith, oh, I guess I just got to suffer. That's low, boring faith. Boring no. Uh, God doesn't, he, does he want you to suffer? He paid a great price for you to not suffer. But if you give license to the devil, you may suffer. 
And, and so he's like, look, don't take that license back. Come and repent. And we'll get that unrighteousness uh, washed out of your life. We'll put you back on the right track and all will be well. I mean, what did he, he tell the man, the man born by four in Luke chapter five? Before uh, he was laid down in a cot. Remember, he was laid, uh, uh, let down through the, through the roof on a cot. Uh, and Jesus, the first thing he said is, son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, rise up, take up your bed and walk. You see, but he dealt with sin first. Sometimes, not all the times, not all, all problems are not due to sin, right? But some, some problems are due to sin. In that case, my problem was due to sin. And so, Lord, uh, forgive me. <clears throat> now, I, I believe when I ask the Lord to forgive me, I believe that he forgives me. And, and it's not a waiting around forgiveness. It's, it's forgiveness immediately, right? It's not, well, I'll get around to it eventually. I'm still mad at you right now. That's not very faithful, amen? He said he's faithful to forgive you, amen? That means he'll do it when you ask. That's what a faithful person would do. When you ask, and he said, he said if, I'll, if you do it, I'll forgive you. Okay, I'm asking you to forgive Well, not yet. Well, that doesn't sound very faithful to me. We'll come back in a week. That doesn't sound like very faithful to me. Faithful is like you asked, yes, uh, since you did what, what I told you to do, then I got to do what I told you I would do. And so he forgave me. And so I just waited, I mean, just seconds, right? Just a few seconds. And, and I said these words. I said, I said Lord, we good? I just sense in my heart, I'm good, right? There was no, there was no you know, uh, uh, whenever you sin, you know, right? There, uh, remember when Adam sinned? What did the Lord ask Adam? Adam, where are you? Did he lose Adam? No, Adam was hiding. The Lord knew where he was, but, but, but we, uh, we hide from the Lord sometimes when we sin. That's a person of weak faith. A person of great faith to go, Lord, I did it. Uh, nobody made me do it. I did it. I ask you to forgive me. And are we good? Yep. All right. Then, Lord, according to your word, I'm the healed of God. Uh, You're my healer. You're Jehovah Rapha, the healer. And I bind this and curse this sickness in Jesus' name. And just like that, it just faded and went away. It's all gone. Amen. But see, I had to go through the repentance before I could get there. Now, again, all sickness is not due to sin. If you come to healing school, you know, you would know that. uh, And we've taught that many times, right? But in that case, it was. Amen. Because I'd given license to the devil. I wanted a little bit of glory. I wanted to be seen of men. I wanted to be bragged on about how uh, much faith that I walked in. Uh, and uh, now, again, not most of me, just a part of me wanted that, right? Just in the, but I accepted it. I did not reject it. I go, get thee behind me, Satan. That's what you should do when somebody tries to give you glory. Get thee behind me, Satan. Or just, you know, when people brag on me, I'm just deadpan. Just like, blah, blah, blah. Are we done yet? Blah, 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 blah. You know, you tell me how wonderful I am, blah, 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 because I, I'm unworthy to receive glory. Amen? Uh, and so, so, uh, so see, in that, in that sense, in, when I was down in Florida, I was opposing myself, right? And, and the Lord instructed me, right? Now, because uh, he was the only one who knew that, that I did that. Amen? Uh, and, and so, because all my family knows I'm a very humble person, and they would never think I would ever do anything like this, right? And so... <laughs> Uh, that's supposed to be a joke there, right? So, uh, but uh, we're, we're about out of time today. We're, we're going to come back to this. Uh, so we do know that, that we're starting to see that uh, when you commit a sin, that is an act of unrighteousness. And that is something that you need to get cleaned out of your life. Don't leave it there, right? Problem, a lot of Christians, they leave that there. And it's like mold, right? If you leave that mold there, what's it going to do? It keeps growing, right? But if you deal with it, when it's a small amount of mold, you just clean it. It's no big deal, right? But then you let it get everywhere in your entire house. It's like it's, it feels impossible to overcome. It's not, but it feels like it's, it's insurmountable. 
So deal with that, that, that unrighteousness to be cleansed. He said he will cleanse you from that unrighteousness. You're still a child of God. You're still on your way to heaven. But you have committed an act of unrighteousness that needs to be cleansed out of your life because it will become a hindrance to your life, to your successful life on the earth, not to your successful spiritual uh, position with the Lord. You're still the righteousness of God. Now, nothing's changed in that. Amen. Uh, and we'll look at, we're going to look at it a good example next week to prove that. Because a lot of people say when you sin, you're no longer a child of God. You've got to go repent and you become a child of God again. We dealt with that in one sense last week from the book of Hebrews, right? That uh, the book of Hebrews says if you're really in that state, you cannot get born again a second time. Amen. But how many Christians are in that state? Very few. Your average Christian will never get to that point where they could actually commit that particular infraction against God. We want to deal with, with the majority of the, the church which is just your average Christian trying to get by and trying to do right as best they can, but make a, a mistake on occasion, what do they need to do? Get cleansed from that unrighteousness. Amen? Get that out of your life. Because see, once I got that out of my life, then I could go back to the Word and go back to faith, and, and just like that, healing came. Amen? But, but my actions were a hindrance to the Lord's blessing me in that case. It wasn't Lord, he wasn't punishing me. My actions were a hindrance to Him blessing me because His Word didn't change. He was still the healer. He was still the provider. But my actions hindered him from being that. The man in Luke chapter 5, his sin was a hindrance to Jesus telling him to take up his bed and walk. Jesus didn't punish him by putting him in, in, the, in the, uh, the cot. The man's action got him there. Uh, and so it's not God putting you in bed, making you sick. God didn't put that, that uh, food poisoning in me to prove and teach me something. Uh, and, and we're going to see from the scriptures why that is a true statement. Because people say things, but they never back it up with Scripture. We're going to back it up with Scripture. And we'll show you uh, in a, uh, we're not exhaustive, but a very solid uh, explanation of how that works and why that's true. Amen? Uh, but not today. We're out of time. So we'll, you have to come back next week. Because when you see the sign out there, you've got to come. Because if the sign says come to church today, then you've got to come, right? And so, uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And, Father, we thank You that, that You will always forgive us, Father. Every single time, Father, there's not an exception. And if we, if we confess our sins, Father, you said that you are faithful. It means you'll always do it and just. That means you have a legal right to forgive us. And, and you don't just forgive us, Father, but you cleanse us. You wash us. You make us clean again, Father, uh, as we stand before you without spot or blemish. And so, Father, we thank you that you're so good to do that. And when we live that way, Father, then we can ask of heaven, and heaven will provide anything that we have need of. And so we thank you for these things, Lord. We give you praise and honor for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We didn't get quite as far as I wanted to today, but uh, it's all good. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready and receive this, this morning's uh, tithes and offerings. Um, and uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, you all do one to communion. Uh, you got time for communion? You don't have to be anywhere, do you, right? Baptist already beat you to the, ho- to the restaurant, so um, let's uh, go ahead and receive communion. Um, What's that? Oh, um, well now, uh, uh, what I encourage you to do is uh, you should always receive communion and it's a good opportunity to, to spend some time with the Lord and to remind yourself what the Lord has done for you, right? In fact, we're going to talk about communion from the Word of God it has got some things in relation to communion that will help us. Uh, and because um, back, uh, back in the day, you know, they used to, the way they used to receive communion is they give you like a loaf of bread and you just pinched off a piece, right? And uh, and then that means everybody has to touch it, right? And so with, uh, we, we don't want that. I mean, so it wouldn't bother me, but uh, 
but so what people would do is they'd get more than their fair share. What's their fair share? I don't know, but you know what, when they take it, right? Uh, you know, if someone pinches off, that's fine, but if someone takes the whole thing and just uh, swallows the whole uh, loaf of bread whole, they're probably taking more than their fair share. And, and there was a church, uh, the church at Corinth was doing that. When they were receiving communion, they were getting out of balance and just, uh, you know, it was, it was becoming a meal, right? This is not a meal. If this is all that you need to sustain yourself, I'm impressed, but it's not, a, it's not intended to be a meal. It's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves the good things that the Lord has done. Amen? Uh, and so, and that's why we receive communion. We receive communion to remind us uh, about the two aspects that the Lord uh, gave to us at the Last Supper. Uh, he gave us specifically the bread. He said this represents his body. Uh, and uh, uh, in fact, we were talking about this, was at a healing school last week, right? Where, where he says that, uh, take, eat, this my body broken for you. And that phrase, the broken for you part, is not found in the Gospels. It's only found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it, and it, it means break, broken for you in the sense of distributing like a, like a loaf of bread. It's specifically limited for uh, food and the, the, the consumption of food because he's telling us that I have, I have uh, divvied up my body for the whole church. It's, it's uh, divvied up and uh, presented to the whole church. So the whole church has access to the body of Christ. So that's what he means when he says broken for you. What does it mean like you broke a leg? It means it was, it was uh, separated and divided unto uh, the whole church. Uh, and so we're thankful for that. He said this body represents, or this bread represents his body. And, and the Bible says that by his stripes that he received upon his body, you were healed. So he wanted to remind you every time you receive communion, this bread represents you have a right to perfect and divine health all the days of your life. No sickness, no flu, no COVID-19, no COVID-20, no COVID-23, no COVID-24. You know, uh, what's coming around tomorrow? Doesn't matter. This bread represents the healing for whatever comes tomorrow. Amen. And whatever is here today. Uh, and Jesus said, you can live this and free from sickness and disease. It, just remind yourself about this. Amen. That's, so that's why we do that. Uh, and then uh, let's go ahead and, re- and receive the bread, reminding ourselves, for the, uh, thank the Lord for healing for our bodies. And let's pray and thank the Lord for this juice. Father, we thank you that this juice represents your blood. So take this is my blood of the new covenant. The blood that says we can be washed and cleansed from all unrighteousness. The blood that says we can stand before you clean, Father, not because of our perfection and lack of sin, but because your blood washes away any sin we do commit, even as a child of God. And so, Father, we thank you for that. It, the blood is great and powerful, Father. We thank you for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Praise God. Um, we want to receive an offering now. Let's, 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 Jared's going to take up all those, and then we'll receive an offering. Amen. So don't forget, uh, as far as the schedule goes, um, of course, we have healing school today, and then uh, we're going to skip healing school on um, the, uh, the the seventeenth of December and uh, Christmas Eve. And so uh, we'll have Sunday morning on both of those services, but we won't have healing school in those two weeks. We'll pick it back up. We'll have it today and uh, next Sunday. And then the two Sundays after that, we'll skip. And then we'll pick it back up on um, uh, New Year's Eve. Amen? We'll have healing school on New Year's Eve. So, All right. Um, are you ready to receive the offering, Jerry? Well, come ahead, Mr. Jerry, receive the offering. Uh, we thank everybody for your faithful giving. Amen? Has the Lord blessed us? Uh, he's blessed us and provided us with good jobs and the ability to earn in, an income. 
uh, and um, uh, his desire is, is uh, uh, that we give back to him uh, for, so that his covenant can be established in the earth. Amen? He said, I've given you power to obtain wealth, to get wealth, that my covenant might be established in the earth. Uh, and so we're thankful that he, he allows us to obtain an income uh, to be able to do that and take part in establishing his covenant. Um, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Have, have a wonderful afternoon. You're, you're dismissed.